היי ערן. היי ליאור. היי אבריואן, you're a startup for startup, the podcast in which we openly share knowledge, experience and actionable insights among startups. Today we're going to talk about the transition we made in a company a few months ago. Our sales team actually became a consulting team. And this may sound like nothing else but a rebrand for a team, but in reality it means a lot. So to understand better the process this team has gone through and the rationale behind the change, we invited Mitchell Blickman, um, one of the very first people on our sales team. Also known as Mitch. Also known as Mitch and a team trainer today. Hello. Hi, Mitch. Hey, Mitch. Uh, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. So... Before we dive into the topic, can you give us some context about the team itself? Sure. So we have an amazing team here that I'm really proud to be a part of. The sales team started actually before I joined the company a year and a half ago. Um, traditionally, the entire company was just sort of running on a no-touch funnel. What do you do today in the team? So I'm the trainer of, of the team. I started out as a sales rep about a year and a half ago. We've had a lot of transitions internally, and now I'm doing training, sales enabling, How many reps were there in the team when you joined and how many are there today? Just to show the ramp up? Yeah, so we've been scaling super fast. I think when I started, there was about 10 of us. Right now, there's 33 people in the team. We'll be 36 by the end of this month. And if all goes according to plan, 60 plus by the end of 2019. Inside the team, we have account executives, account managers, SDR, team leaders, uh, sales operations, sales training, myself, we have a head of sales. Um, so we've really like segmented into different niches. And that's spread across New York and Tel Aviv. Correct. This is across two offices, both which are scaling pretty quickly. So it's interesting because we're going to talk about the change in the name today, but you actually just used the word sales to describe everything on a team. So <laughs> let's, correct. let's really just, you know, get to the point. Why did you even start thinking about changing your name? What was challenging about being a sales team for you? So as the company scaled and the product matured, I think it was a natural progression. We wanted to get more logos. We wanted to close deals of larger sizes, close more deals. And to do this, it takes a certain amount of hand-holding. Hand holding. Um, all accounts aren't equal, and there's a lot of intricacies that are involved in the process of bringing in larger companies in selling to entire organizations as opposed to just selling to teams. So in order to do that, we had to do a serious shift in the way that we do things, in the way that we think about things. So in consulting, you know, we shifted to a very customer-focused, value-based selling approach where we really need to understand the unique aspects of every customer's business so that we can help tailor the solution to them. So this was like the mind shift that we had to make, and I think the name is a good example of, of the mind shift, but at the end of the day, we are sales. Like, we're not, it's not fool ourselves or fool anybody else. Like, we're selling something. But by calling ourselves consulting, it puts us in that right mindset that we need to be in. And I think this mindset is something that we all share in a company, if I'm correct. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if we look, you know, back at the basics of how we built the product and how we built the company, it was always, you know, giving value to users and then, you know, letting them expand. Mitch mentioned that uh, back in the days we didn't have a sales team. Uh, it's because many of our users you know started adopting the tool without any human touch and started scaling. But 
at some point we realized that you know they're limited in where they can get um, just by using the software themselves without talking to anybody on Monday. And and basically what happened is that we created the sales team initially, um, and we started trying to sell the software to people, and it worked, but. Um, we had to make the change from sales to consulting mainly because we realized that the majority of the value that we can give to our customers mm-hmm. is actually when they need to scale. It's not about buying the software in the first place because that's kind of easy. We, we optimize everything in the funnel for that. Uh, but once you get trickier, like once you pass a certain threshold of users, that's a 25 or 50 users, to get to the next step, it's much more than selling software. Uh, it's much more about consulting them because... Um, I think what's unique about our platform is that you really need to understand the business of the customer in order to make kind of the next shift in the size and what you can do with the software. And I think this is exactly where the consulting team fits in, in a sense that they help the company scale past that point. And also, if I can add in, I think as we release more and more features, there's really so much you can do with the platform. And it's nearly impossible for someone to know all the potential use cases on their own. So by having a consulting team that really digs in to understand what their work process is, who are the different departments that are potential users, understands what they're currently doing, the pains they might be having with the current softwares they're using, we're really able to help them tailor the solution to how they work. And, and I think it's that certain amount of like hand-holding that's helpful and, and needed as we want to scale inside of organizations. Also, there's lots of moving parts in these more complex deals. You know, we're going through legal, we're going through security, we're going through procurement. It's not something that's just going to happen on a, a like a self-serve checkout page. Or overnight. Or overnight, yeah. It's the, the sales cycles are much longer. Um, but in the end of the day, like it... How much it, longer? Um, so I think traditionally when we were kind of more in like that fast-paced environment, a s- typical sales cycle was around one month, uh, three weeks to a month. I believe the average sales cycle now is somewhere approaching like three months. Yeah, I think that another aspect of changing the name is also kind of uh, there's a cultural aspect to that. Right. I was going to, to mention that, that the seeds for this mindset you just mentioned, Mitch, are there since the beginning of the team, if I'm correct. For example, the no commission Uh, aspect of your team, if you want to talk about that for a minute. Yeah, now the secret's out. We're not, we're not as rich as everyone thinks. Uh, <laughs> we, we don't make commission. Um, but there's a lot of reasoning behind that. Um, it's, it's the culture internally. We don't want our reps like, fighting each other over leads. We want it to be like a collaborative team environment where we help each other and we're not like, fighting who gets this one, who gets this one, uh, in that kind of like, cutthroat environment. And Secondly, I think like a core, core principle of the company is being customer-focused, right? So we never want to sell someone something that they don't need or they're not going to use or sell it in a way that's wrong or pushy. So I think by removing the commission element out of the picture, it sort of does away with that potential harm that you can do in sales. Um, so we don't have any like selfish interest in selling someone something because we're not actually making something at the end of the day out of it. We're aligned with the company goals, and we want to scale, of course, and we want people to use Monday and be happy using it. Um, but yeah, there needs to be a valid use case for it. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, the, the no commission is, is a big deal. And uh, for us, from the very beginning, we wanted, I think we saw a lot of sales team uh, in different companies, 
And one thing that was in common for all of them is that toxic environment of people competing with one another. And um, it was more of a personal goal as opposed to a company uh, pushing towards the same direction. It wasn't an easy decision, um, but we decided very early on that we don't want to have commission in the team. So everybody, again, uh, not competing with one another. Uh, but I think that also changing the name from sales to consulting um, meant, meant another thing. Uh, I think when you say a sales team, the focus is on, on the sale itself. You know, uh, when you say a sales team, you basically need to sell. And this is how you direct the team. But when you say consulting team, I think there's an, an aspect to it where the main core of what the team does is actually consulting. And sales is a byproduct of that. And if you consult it in, in a good way and help the company, uh, you're also going to benefit from a from very good sale. But that really kind of changed the mindset and the focus on that. I think also another thing that is important to understand here is that most cases where you sell are to companies where there's already a team that has adopted in the past our platform, if I'm correct. Not necessarily. In the Not necessarily. Yeah. Um, a lot of the accounts we deal with, they, they might have one team using it. It could be a small team, five users, 25 users. But, I mean, we have lots of signups on a daily basis. I think, like, today, actually, we had, like, 8,000 new trial signups. So a lot of these are brand-new companies that have never seen the platform before. Um, so it, it's a mix of both. But it's all, okay, so let me, let me correct myself. It's all people that approach their, our platform themselves. It's not cold calling. Yeah, so we You're don't not do calling someone and suggesting for them to try something they never looked at before. That's correct. We don't do any cold calling. All the leads or the accounts that we work on are completely inbound. And so, are completely people that already sign up to the platform. Yeah, people sign up for a free trial. And these are the type of people that we engage. Now, obviously, we can't touch everyone. You know, there's 5,000 to 8,000 people signing up on a daily basis. So we have to be strategic in who we think is a strategic account to work with, who we engage. How do you do that? So this is dealing with, like, sales operations. Um, we have a way that we score the accounts based on a plethora of, of factors, you know, where they sign up from, did they, uh, the, the type of company they work at, the position of the person who signed up, how many people are in the trial, and we basically score the leads. And, and based on the scoring, these are the leads that get distributed to the, the consulting group. So what else does it mean to change the name from sales to consulting? Um, in addition to the shift in mindset, it's a shift in methodology and how we approach customers. So we used to have a transactional approach where things move very fast. And when we would give someone a demo of the product, it was more like a feature run-through, right? We weren't really going deep into how they might specifically use Monday, what are their pains that they're facing on a day-to-day -day basis. Everyone was kind of getting like a standard walkthrough of all the features and capabilities of Monday. Now, two different things happen. One, the platform has a lot of new features, so it would really be impossible in 30 minutes to give someone a full rundown of all the different things they could do with the platform. So we really and have unnecessary to, as well. And unnecessary, yeah. You don't want to like bore people with features that they'll never use that aren't relevant to them. So the way we do demos now, they're based on an in-depth discovery call that we do beforehand. Okay, and this is where we're really getting to know the customer getting to know what they want to achieve with the platform when they signed up for a trial, what they were looking for, what softwares are they using, what pains are they having in their current softwares. And then in the demo, from the very first touch point, 
it's a completely tailored experience. We're showing them boards in the platform that they can relate to. They say, yeah, this is exactly what I want to use the platform for. This is exactly what I was looking for. This is You're how I'm painting gonna... the picture for them. Exactly. We're creating a story for them. Um, you know, they, they can imagine themselves using it. This is exactly what I need to manage my team or manage my clients. How do you keep up with all of the new features? I mean, it's hard. This is one of the challenges that, that we face. Um, I think that's part of the reason the position that I'm managing was created, this training position. It's not only for new employees and onboarding them, which is super important as we're scaling very quickly, but it's also ongo ongoing training with the current members of the team. Whether this is sales techniques, whether this is new features and making sure everyone stays up to date, we have to learn the features, but also what's the value of the feature? Like, how is someone actually going to use this in their company? What does it mean for the team? Um, Can you give an example? Of some, um, like, of a feature that doesn't mean anything by itself, but, like, the use case makes the value. Yeah, so I think it's more about, like, when we're showing the product to people, it, it, it's, it's more about, it's less about showing the feature and more about painting a story of how they're going to use it. So we have a feature called My Week. Um, this is sort of a view where everyone, each person is in the platform, they can see all the tasks and projects that are assigned to them in the given week, right? So when we're giving someone a demo of the product, we could say, this is My Week. This is where you see all the tasks that are assigned to each person, right? And that's one way of doing it. Another way of doing it is... Imagine you come into work in the morning and you open up my week and right here you see all the tasks that you're responsible for this day and that week, right? It's a completely different way of painting the picture. So I think in painting, showing a story of how it's actually going to be used for that specific user on a day-to-day -day basis really makes a world of difference. Another way that uh, we involve the consulting team into um, new products is basically involve them into task forces. Uh, we use the same method with the customer success team. Uh, so basically in task forces uh, that are working on new features, we involve people from the sales team. Uh, they come to the sync meetings, they're part of the brainstorming, and they also help shaping those new products. And that really helps. I think there's one thing about you know, knowing a, product, like a feature exists, but it's a totally different thing to know like what was the thought process behind it, why was it created the way it was created, And I think that really benefited us. And then that person that was part of the, of the team comes back uh, to the consulting team and shares his, his knowledge and his experience. And I think it really helped kind of harness everybody uh, on new features that we release. Yeah, that's something that's really important to us is understanding how the features are going to be used. So we released another board view called Charts. Okay, and you can make graphs and charts here. And it's one thing to tell someone you can take the data on the board and have it in a chart view. Right, but like, how's it actually used? So when you can show it to someone as an actual example, like here's a sprint board for your developers. Here you can have a bar graph and see exactly how many story points are assigned to each developer in a given sprint, right? Like that really changes the way they look at it and the understanding behind it. I hear the two of you switching all the time between sales and consulting, and I'm asking myself, how real is that? And how do our customers react to that? I mean, how do you present yourself on the phone? Do you say you are a rep for, from a consulting team? What, what do you say? So on the phone, we, we, tell, we say that we're product consultants, right? Like, we really come with a deep knowledge of the product and oh. how to use it. What's the reaction you get? I think... 
people have a natural defense to the word sales, right? Like they, they think of uh, car sales. Sleazy they, sales. They think of sleazy sales. <laughs> like there's, there's a connotation to it. Um, and I think by removing that, a bit of the defense is, is let down. Like, but it, it's more than just the name. Like, okay, maybe they see the title in, in the very first uh, email that you send someone. They see product consultant as opposed to sales executive. Does that really make a huge difference? Maybe. Um, but I think from the very first call, like, we're really focused on providing value. And I think that's what sensed. Um, sales has a connotation of being selfish, right? Like the sales rep is doing something for themselves without actually giving something in exchange. Right. So, There is no alignment sometimes in this call if it's a sales rep and Right. And I think that's, that's an old way of doing things. Um, I think now when people have so many options and you're not meeting people face to face and you're selling over the internet, right? And they're, they're on trials like the only way to get someone to become a customer is to actually give them value in something that they're going to use. So that's, that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, I think in the past, um, company used to sell a product, showing a bunch of features, and then you have to buy the product in order to start using it. And, and I think part of the magic here and the, part of the f reason why we can call it consulting is that those people either try the product during a trial period or using it for a couple of months. And then, you know, the sale become... Uh, easier in a, in a way, but also much more deep because um, at that point, you need to kind of give them the next level of what they can achieve with the platform coming from what they're trying to achieve and understanding how this correlates to the business. And I can imagine cases where even your clients don't know what's the next use case because if I understand it correctly, so some of the accounts we would like to expand are of different teams, different departments, not necessarily people that are working together right now. What do you do then? Yeah, exactly. So typically when someone signs up for a trial, they have like one, maybe two particular use cases that they came to us for that they were looking to solve. And we show them how to do that. But then we show them other ways that they can use the platform that they might never have thought of. So... Actually, like a lot of times, like the real wow moment, it comes when we show them our actual company account and all the ways that we use Monday internally. And you can really like feel like the light bulb go off and they get the gears turning. And this is how we show them how to how they can use Monday organizational wide, because a lot of teams, it's like a team leader. They come in, they sign up, they're looking for a tool for their team. Right. And they find the use case for that. But our mission as the consulting team is to show them all the other use cases that the platform can be used for and how they can leverage it and how they can collaborate with other teams in the company and, and do it all in one place. So it's really about like expanding their mind and expanding the, like what they thought they were going to get out of the platform and show them all the other things that they can do with it. Isn't there still an element of, I don't know, like going to someone else and starting to pitch them a new tool that they might need. Why would people do that? Like, how do you get someone to go and champion you in another department? Yeah, so that's actually one of the major challenges that we currently face. And, and just to give the context, again, the way we start today is that anyone can start using the tool. It doesn't have to be the IT department. It doesn't have to, to come from a CEO or from a yeah, very top person. You can start from the HR department, right. whatever you or want. Or even like a team leader can yeah. start using it. So it's a great starting point but then scaling from there sounds challenging it is and, and it's a great and question and, and you know I, i think it relates back to providing value 
So the first thing you have to do is make sure that the reason they came to you for is being solved, right? Like this initial use case, this initial way that they wanted to use the platform, we have to make sure that they're able to do that and happy using it. Only once they're satisfied with that can we think about like a growth and an expansion. So, I mean, typically if a department head or a team leader, like they're happy using the platform and they're finding value from it and it changed the way that they work, this is going to be a strong champion, right? Because they want the other teams in their company to succeed as well. Sometimes people like don't want to put their neck on the line internally. They're busy. They have, you know, they're stuck with their day to day and they only have budget for their team. This is a challenge. Um, it's creating these like internal champions and how you get them to give you an introduction, either horizontally to another team leader or vertically to maybe their director. Um, but these are the things that we're working on. And I think Iran would know better, but I think we sort of used to have like a bottom-up approach, right? Like we would get in with different teams in an organization and sort of mushroom out. We still talk about bottom-up, but I think with the help of marketing, the direction we want to go more now is top-down or even mid-down. Um, so where we get in with like C-levels who are responsible for multiple departments. Um, and, and this really helps us shape the conversation from the very beginning where from the very get-go, they're thinking of Monday as a tool for the organization or for multiple teams as opposed to a tool specifically for one team. We always was and always will be bottom-up. But I think um, one thing that's very different in how we do sales, um, first of all, let's, let's talk about traditional sales model. The traditional sales model said, you know, we're going to get leads, uh, we're going to qualify them. That's what's called like a mar marketing qualified lead. Uh, whatever we get from marketing, we're going to qualify the relevant leads from that. And then we're going to go through a sales qualified lead, which is a lead that we know is relevant and uh, schedule a demo with. And usually what happened in those companies is that you realize that only like the top executive layer was able to make a decision. So you usually filter out everybody else and try to contact only the director of the company or the CEO or one of the VPs. And... We took a different approach. Uh, it actually has a name now. It's called the flywheel approach. And that basically means that you start with a team, no matter which team is that, um, from the organization. But then it's our responsibility and the product responsibility uh, to expand the usage uh, organically. Because what you essentially want is to get to that VP. And I agree. I mean, that VP has to make a decision in order to adopt the product, like horizontally across the whole company. But my ideal scenario would be to reach him uh, and for him to use Monday before you guys actually contact him. And how will we, we'll, and how will we achieve that? I mean, it's, it's you know, creating a better product in the sense that uh, you want to like, introduce the product to more and more people. You want to have features that uh, might be relevant to your manager as opposed to your team. And it's a lot of methodology, like, it's a lot of things we need to add to the product and, and enhance it. Um, so I think it's, it's very much about uh, creating more traction and more adoption organically as much as we can uh, to make the sales team life easier. And uh, then from those people that actually use the platform, we'll qualify uh, those leads and introduce them uh, to the consulting team. Yeah, definitely. I think um, some of the things that we're doing with the platform are going to help with that, such as the uh, the free view-only users, right? And maybe there's now going to be a team 
who is using Monday, and they invite their director in as a viewer, right? And now this person is already exposed to Monday. Um, so there's, there's different things we're trying to do to, like, increase the exposure and the virality, like, within a company. Yeah, that's one feature that was very non-intuitive for us as a company. Um, so we're now launching a new feature where we allow you to invite people, uh, which you're not going to pay for them, um, to view data from Monday. And our approach behind it was... Um, we might lose some revenue because uh, up until now, everybody you invited, you have to pay for. Uh, but we think that in the long run, you're going to invite more people from the organization. You're going to invite more managers, maybe even the CEO of the company. They will be exposed to Monday. And in the long run, uh, we'll get more value. Our customers will get more value and we'll get uh, more value from, from that. Uh, people will be more exposed. They get... Uh, increase adoption. Yeah, it's going to increase the adoption in the long run. So we measure everything in Monday, right? Uh, we are a very data-driven <laughs> company. Um, Is it true there's more dashboards in the company than employees? Uh, it's a good ratio. Let's put it this way. And I don't know exactly how no, much. And every now and then we ramp up the, the screens, and then there are definitely more screens than people. Yeah. <laughs> um, my question to you is, have you changed your KPIs since you changed the name of the, of the department, the team? Yes, we have. Um, we really want to show our contribution as a consulting team over the no-touch funnel. You know, the, the marketing team is doing an amazing job of. There's, we have thousands of signups every day, and they convert on their own, right? So we have to show, like, how are we contributing to this? What is our delta or, or the way that we're improving the leads over what would happen on a no-touch funnel? So we see that traditionally accounts that sign up on their own, they're typically never in the realm of 50 users, 100, 200 users. So our KPIs now, as a consulting group, we only get credit on deals that we close of 50 users or more. Like, that's the bare minimum. Um, it doesn't even show up on our dashboards otherwise. So that, that's one of the KPIs we changed. Uh, another KPI we changed to more align ourselves with the company goals is that we measure ourselves on added ARR, annual recurring revenue, as opposed to collection. Okay, so... This What's is, the rationale behind it? So the rationale is to, to tie our KPIs with that of the company. Um, we just need a way to standardize things. The problem when you're, when you're tracking things due to collection, you have a completely different uh, success metric, whether you upgrade someone um, in the beginning of their trial right. or when they're a week away from their renewal, right? Because there's a, a balanced carryover in their account. It just gets really complex, and you're not comparing apples to apples, whereas... If you're looking at added ARR, you're really looking at, like, what's the contribution you made on this account, irrespective of where they are in their renewal process. Um, so I want to touch about this one because I think it's a bit sensitive. Um, we changed the KPI that only deals above 50 users are counted um, for everybody in the team. But think about it. Uh, you touch people. Uh, you upgrade accounts from 10 people to 20 or from 20 to 40 and you don't get credit for it. Like you do a lot of good job, but you don't get credit. And uh, I mean, one of the reasons that we've done it is because we, we knew that organically accounts usually grow to 25, it might happen. And we wanted to measure what is the impact of the sales team. And we saw that accounts never scaled over 25 users uh, without a human touch. So for us as a company, it was a very good thing because then we knew exactly what was the contribution of the sales team. 
but I'm trying to figure out like how is it for you guys like going through this journey with the with the account um, not getting credit for the beginning not only that I'll add to it you talk all the time about how we are all the time giving value to our customers and then here what if the value that is right for a certain company is a 25 people account and then you know that you need a 50 account people want to to get whatever by the way you don't get commission so why does it matter if it's content <laughs> or not so that's another thing that you need to explain later how are you guys measured in the end of the day but first this question of what do you do with that yeah so let me tackle the two questions separately um, <laughs> <laughs> so this was actually really hard on the team right like there's people all of a sudden there's accounts you've been working on for a long time and you're, you're used to you know like Back in the day when we were selling five user subscriptions, 10 years are like we would close a 25 user subscription. This is a, a big deal. And all of a sudden, no one's getting credit for it, right? So it was a bit disheartening in the beginning. You know, there's people who are used to closing 15, 20, 25 deals in a month, right? And, and all of a sudden, now they're closing two of, of 50 or more users. And it was really hard. Like people who you know, the ranking on the dashboards of, of the team kind of shifted around. and Even the energy. I mean, closing a deal almost every day is a very specific mindset and there are so many quick wins that you can celebrate Absolutely. and that all of a sudden it might it, be it days was, without. It was a really hard time, I think, like in the direction of the team. Um, there was a lot of like internal discussions and, and people going off to the side and uh, how do we do this? Whispering, this, yeah. Whispering around and I don't know if I like this new idea, but I think, it's something that came from like the top down and, and we do see the rationale behind it. And again, it's, it's a mindset. Like if, if a hundred user subscription seems like a big deal, then it is. But if it seems like it's not a big deal, right, then it's not. And, and once you do start getting those wins, you, you realize that like we do have a team that's capable of, of selling a solution like this. We have a product that's a good fit for organizations to use in a larger scale and and we've like been scaling up like month after month like you can see the amount of deals that we close 50 plus users we of course have a dashboard for this um and it's like a 45 degree angle um so so that's uh that's one thing now the other thing what do we do with accounts we get that more than like it, it's not a good fit for them um to have 50 users on the subscription so this is probably going to be an account that we don't work with, right? Like this is something that we nail in the discovery call that we do in the beginning. We understand what they're looking for, who are the potential departments. We try to get them to see the bigger picture and how other departments can be using it. But if we're not aligned in there, then, uh, you know, thank you. Enjoy your trial. We're here for any support we have. Like we have an amazing CS team that's going to support them. We have materials online. But this isn't going to be an account that the consulting group specifically focuses on. Also, with the, the way that we're scoring leads, like, we used to take accounts of any size company, right? It was kind of, like, based on the amount of engagement they're doing in the platform during their trial, the number of users on the trial. But now we have minimums, right? So, like, we're only even dealing with leads in our consulting team of employees of 100-plus, right? Like, Enterprise, the enterprise team is only dealing with leads they get of companies that have a minimum 1,500 employees. So I actually want to like circle back to uh, what we spoke about with MQLs because I, I, I think this is like 
really interesting. Um, what is MQL for? Uh, MQL is a marketing qualified lead. It's like a good fit for the for the product. So I, I've never been in a company where the net casted of what an MQL is is so wide. Like it's really crazy because typically you have a product or a service, and there's like a niche that 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 you uh, cater to, right? But like, do it to the flexibility of the platform and how you can customize it. Like, it's relevant for like any type of team. So, if there is a company of a hundred plus employees, like, there's gonna be fifty people in the organization where the platform is a good fit for them. Um. You know, it's funny, Mitch mentioned that it was a top-to-bottom decision in the company to make this change. And, you know, we talked about that this change happened in, in August of last year. And it was actually after a board meeting that I remember. Um, we had a board meeting uh, in New York, and we presented the slides about the sales team. And, you know, all the graphs were going up, and the sales team was doing fine. But I remember that both Rui and I were uncomfortable about this, because... Uh, we had a big issue about contribution. And I remember a conversation we had with the board, um, and they said, look, it's it's looking good. You guys are scaling. Are you going to scale next year? Are you going to double the sales team? And we said, um, yeah, we think so. And, you know, it, it really touched me at that point. I mean, we didn't discuss this in the board, but um, afterwards, Ray and I sat down with Yoni, our head of sales, And it, it's that thing that was in our back of our minds all the time. Like we weren't sure about the contribution, closing all those small deals. I mean, it gave value to our users, but it wasn't for sure. Like we couldn't put the, our finger exactly what was the value that we added. And we thought to ourselves, you know, how, how can, are we going to work around this? Like uh, how are we going to fix this? And eventually, you know, it sounds very intuitive, but we said... One thing we know for sure, like big accounts, we don't close big accounts without uh, a person involved. It didn't happen before. Like we didn't have accounts over 25 or over 50. Uh, so let's just do that. I mean, we know they, they want to use a system. We know they can. Uh, we know that they're going to get value if you're going to help them. And initially we thought, okay, so it will be a process and we'll shift the team. And then we literally said, like, we believe in that. The team is, like, super smart. They're going to understand that. They're going to adopt. We trust them. Let's do it tomorrow. We got nothing to lose. Uh, and this is what happened. Like, we, we changed it uh, over a course of a week. And I'm so glad we've done it because the thing I want to do the most now is to triple the sales team because I know the benefit. I know the value that they add. And it's one of those things that it's really easy to ignore And, but that we tackled and I'm so proud of and I'm, I'm so certain in the way that we're moving forward with the sales team right now. Yeah, he's actually not exaggerating at all in the speed, <laughs> <laughs> the speed that we made the change. I was in our New York office in July uh, helping with the new team there and I was there for 10 days. So the team weekly meeting that we had that I did remotely from New York is when the change was announced I come back less than a week later, and we're already like getting the ball rolling on it. And it's hard. Like, it's hard when you have a whole team that's used to doing something a certain way, and, and you're growing. Like, you're, you're 
hitting what the KPIs you've been given are month after month. I think this is a really good point. As Iran said, and as you are now mentioning again, it's not like there was a problem with the KPIs. It's not like there was something super clear to everyone that wasn't working, which is why this shift is like, it's easier to shift when everyone understands that something isn't working, that something is broken. This wasn't the case. It wasn't the case because everything seemed to be working. And, and we did even do tests to see what our contribution was, even on these smaller deals. We had a, uh, Two reps called uh, Mushon and Mushit. Uh, they're not actually real people, um, but basically there were ways for us to test what our contribution was. So the way this would work, we have our, our team and they're getting the leads on a round robin, like being distributed on a daily basis. And some people could say, well, you guys were getting the cherry picked leads, like you were getting the best leads anyway. And these guys probably would have converted on their own without you. So what we did is we took these two like fake reps and they were also getting these leads distributed. The only difference is they didn't do anything with the lead. Like they, no one was actually contacting them. No one was working on it. So this is a way of taking, I guess what some people would call like the best leads that were going to sales and then still being able to measure what is our contribution uh, over what Mushon and Mushit yeah. are doing. Are we closing more deals? Are we doing a larger deal size? Is the churn rate lower? So these were things that we tested and... This is one of the, uh, going back to uh, Yoni, the head of sales, like implementing this, I was just kind of like mind blown. Like, wow, like we're actually not like sacrificing our best leads, but we're, we're really doing like an accurate test uh, to see like how we're actually contributing to the situation um, and, and not just saying like, you know, we're collecting all the, all the best leads and, and just closing everything. And yeah, maybe some of them would have brought, bought on their own, but we really needed a way to like prove this. And what did you see? So um, what we saw is the deal size that we were closing over Mushon and Mushit um, was, was a larger average deal size. I believe the churn rate was significantly lower. Um, I, I think I, you I probably say, know more about the, uh, yeah, the actual but, data. And this is, I think this is a big point. Like, I remember that period, and, and we tried that. But first of all, the results weren't significant. I mean, some months Mushon did better than others, and some months did better than some of the sales, uh, some of the people in the sales team. And I remember Yoni... That, that's uh, discouraging when you get beat by a robot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember Yoni like, going and saying, like, I'm not sure. And it did all those complex formulas in Excel. It's one of those things that you feel in your heart You're not in the right place. You've tried to optimize for the wrong thing. It just feels wrong. And, you know, at the end of the day, uh, it was hard to A-B test because, you know, we, we thought about maybe we'll uh, change the, how we split the leads, but then we need like three or four months for Mushon and Mushi to process the new leads. And everything felt so wrong that it's one of those cases where you feel something is fundamentally wrong in the way you think and the way you try to solve your problem. I feel it all the time. Uh, in product sessions, for example, when you try to work around like a product issue and, and you feel stuck everywhere you go, it's a good sign that you're... Not looking at it the right way. Yeah, exactly. Change your perspective first. It was first. One, one of those scenarios. I mean, it, it's one of those things that a company can, um, you know, go for four or five years without noticing. Uh, well, one of the things that I like here about our company and in our culture is that we always try to get, dig into the truth And I think it was one of those cases. And another kind of value is that once we uh, find another truth, is to change it now. Like, uh, and I think it kind of uh, represents both, both of those um, cases. 
And I'm so proud of, of the team adopting so fast. Listen, I mean, it's even a different skill set uh, to do like transactional uh, sales as opposed to consulting. It's different people. You know, we knew that this change is going to be painful in a way. Uh, but still, we knew that it's the right thing for the company. Did we lose people in this process? No. Yeah, but I would say that some people that used to be on the top of the chart, yeah, uh, the, it the, changed. The order has definitely changed. We had to retrain the people in the team. Yeah, so this is, again, like the position that, that I came into, the sales trainer. Um, it, it wasn't just to, to assist in the onboarding of new employees, but it's doing a complete retraining of everyone who's been on the team for almost a year, um, changing the way they do things, changing the processes, changing the way our CRM works and how we manage accounts, changing the way we talk to customers. At the end of the day, like if you're going to be spending hours with the customer and understanding their process and giving them a demo of the platform like doesn't it make sense to do that with someone who has the potential to buy a plan of 100 users as opposed to someone who you know from the get-go is only going to potentially buy five like same amount of time um but yeah in, in the process we we created a lot of like learning materials and sessions that that i do with the team ways to just make this pivot from transactional sales to a, consult, a consultative value-based approach. How was it for people to, I mean, I'm trying to imagine how it's like to be first on an, any kind of list and then not being first anymore. And I can see how in more cases than not, people would let their ego sort of take over and say, hey, maybe this new thing isn't for me. How, how did we avoid that? It's hard. I think a lot of it has to do with empathy from, from the team leaders and from the head of sales. Uh, letting people know, listen, guys, we know we're going through a crazy change right now. It's going to be drastic. We're not sure if this is the right direction or it's not. We really, in our gut, think it is. But we know that it's a complete shift. So there was, although we moved super fast, there was a bit of patience. Like, we have a ramp-up period in the quotas we had for this, like, for the new KPIs we're working on. Um, and, and there was a lot of support around it, training, simulations, um, yeah, a lot of things to, to assist in it. But um, I think another thing which we ignore, but I think is super significant, I'm taking you back to what we discussed in the beginning of, of this conversation about the no commission. I mean, the fact that we didn't have commission enabled this change. Because if we had commission and people used to earn Uh, certain a certain amount, amount, amount of yeah. salary, um, this change was super painful. But because they knew that their salary won't be hurted uh, by this change and it's best for the company, that would enable uh, this change. And one of the things that we thought about like when we said we don't want a, a commission-based uh, sales team was that, to make changes, to do what's best for the company as opposed, as opposed to um, doing what's best for me to earn the same salary I used to earn. So it gives us much more flexibility. And, and, and again, it's, it's, it's signaling to everybody in the team that the goal of the company is more important and will compensate that in the base salary that we give them. Yeah, and also, I think a lot of people on the team, like they want the change. They know that it's good for them in their career as consultants, as sales professionals. Like This is the way of doing like enterprise sales. You, you have to really dig deep into the customer and, and what their needs are and 
you know, whether it serves them here for a while or whether it serves them, you know, whatever's next in their career. Like this is amazing skill sets to have as someone in this profession. So I think everyone kind of like rallied behind it and we're super looking forward to the different trainings we had and kind of how to do it, how to make that mind shift, how to do this new kind of sales that leads to like closing deals with big logos and, and, you know, this longer processes. So People wanted it. They were hungry for it. Um, but yeah, it was, it was uh, different a different incentive, period. I guess. Yeah, but I, I want to say that in the first um, two months, uh, I remember Yoni walking around the office, so stressful, because one of the things that happened was that the sales cycle uh, became much longer. And it took time for us to see the fruits of this change. Now we're talking from a retrospective of, you know, it's work and we're proud of it, but it was a big gamble, a big risk that we took. Um, and it took a lot of patience. It was a big risk, although it wasn't, it wasn't that big because, again, if I think about the potential and the scale, like yeah, what you could have lost think about, think in comparison about, with what you can gain here, It's just a clear moment that you have to do it now. Later on, it w- would have been yeah, much but, more but think costly. About, think about, like, even think about the next board meeting, you know? Uh, the easiest thing for me to do is to show them this graph going up, you know, keeping the same method, showing them that everything is fine. And we took the risk of going to the next board meeting and said, oh, you remember that graph from the, from the previous board meeting? Forget about it. <laughs> yeah, and now it's zero. You know, like we didn't succeed with the change. We took a huge risk and, and we collapsed everything we built with the sales team. Uh, I mean, it's always easiest to kind of keep the same course. Uh, and, and it was a risk. You But know, again, uh, in the short term. Yeah. All I'm saying, it's not easy. Right. You know, it's not easy. It's, right. it, the easiest is to keep the same course. And the hard thing is, is to actually make a change. And, and again, we're talking about a, a successful change. Could have been the other yeah, way around. Could yeah. have been. What is still challenging about it, Mitch? There's internal and external challenges. I mean, internally, we're growing like super fast in both offices, right? So there's, there's a lot that's involved with that. It's just supporting like a scaling of this speed like how do you find this much talent who is really going to be qualified for the position how do you find this type of talent who wants to take a quote-unquote sales job without commission um, and how do you give them the resources that they need to be successful whether this is the the, the training the support Um, so that's like internally, like super fast growth. By uh, the way, how do we promote this hiring? Do we call that a consulting team or do we say it's a sales position when we look for someone new? Uh, that would be more of a question for HR. I, I believe it's like uh, account executives or it, it might be. I'm not sure how it's like uh, listed. Okay. How early in the process do we tell candidates that there is no commission? I... Imagine it's like one of the, in, in the first interview or, or maybe in, like in the, the screening call. call. That, uh, yeah, in the screening call that we did with HR. So from the very first moment. Yeah, yeah so that's, that's the internal challenge. It's like supporting such a rapid growth. Uh, externally, By the way, do you do it for both the Israeli and the New York office? Me personally? Yeah. Yes, right you're now. you're doing training. Yeah, so. yeah. So right now um, it is all under myself, yeah, which is, uh, it's hectic. 
Um, but it, is well, it going to change? <laughs> I, I, I hope so, because I'm only one person. Um, so I, I think what makes the most sense, like just based on the amount of work that, that is required in it, like would be to have someone on the ground in the New York office doing it and someone here in, in Israel doing it. Because um, it, it is like uh, if you want people to succeed and you want them to be able to ramp up like that quickly um you know it does take someone kind of like working hands-on with them like intensively like the first two weeks on the job um a couple months back when i was actually in the new york office like back in july um roy, it's more than a couple of months back <laughs> half a year back yeah i guess the time flies uh roy and iran were both in uh the new york office and and i don't remember who asked but someone asked you like what are your what are the biggest uh worries you have as the company scales <clears throat> and they didn't mention anything about revenue or about customers or the product like I remember specifically I'm saying like preserving the company culture like how do you do that over a big ocean in the middle different time zones when you need to find like this much talent in a short period of time like because we do have something like really unique here I think anyone that visits the office here like immediately sees it it's like a fun place to work. It's cool energy. It's like, it's, it's really amazing. So that, I mean, I think that's a, a big challenge. So one of the ways that, that we attempt to uh, mitigate this um, is we have an exchange program. So people who are in the New York office, we fly them to the Tel Aviv office for one month, I'm sorry, for one week or two weeks. And just by being here, they sort of like absorb what it really means to be part of monday.com like what are the values we have here how do we work with each other how do we collaborate with each other so i, I think that's like really important in sort of preserving the core identity yeah i think it's uh the roi we see on that is in, insane and uh we do it on not only with the consulting group but also with the customer success and everybody else and we'll fly people from tel aviv to new york and from new york to tel aviv And I think one of the biggest uh, things that we feel on both directions is people come pumped. Also from Tel Aviv to New York, um, you know, once you get to know the people that you work with and you see their faces and you have a conversation with them, the benefit is, is insane. Um, I don't know how it's going to work as we scale because it's going to be a lot of people that we hire. And so Very we, soon. We yeah. need an airline, yeah. Right. <laughs> a Monday airline. Like uh, yeah, <laughs> I like it too. Careful what you wish for, yeah. huh? <laughs> I don't want to give a, like a... Like right your ideas, yeah. yeah. Um, but definitely, uh, we need to keep it at some scale. Um, and, and, you know, those visits are, are amazing. What are the external challenges you, you see? So the external challenges are how you get these... Um, how, how you can scale... inside of the companies, right? Like how you get these introductions from a happy team lead using the platform and how you turn that champion into a monday.com ambassador on the inside, right? Like how do you incentivize them or how do you work with them to make the case internally to introduce you to another team or to introduce you to their director? So these are, you know, this is one of the major uh, external challenges. And then as we go, grow and, and we really want to like reach like the sea level um, in companies like they have unique requirements um, whether it's reporting whether it's user-based permissions and, and these are things that we're working on with the product team to achieve Mitch to finalize the conversation if someone's listening right now and they are going with their team through some big change 
What can you give them from your experiences and advice? So I think the main advice is to hang in there, right? Like you're, you're never going to have enough time in the day to do all the things that you think you need to do. So prioritize like what in the change is most important. Make sure it's a change that you like really believe in. Set the path for that, whether this is, you need to have like small, short-term, medium, and long-term goals to make sure you're on the right path. Um, and surrounding yourself with the right people, like making sure that you believe in the people who are part of this change. Um, I think it's always like if you are going to make the change, like make sure it unites with the more high-level goals of the company um, so that all the departments are like in sync and, and rallying together like behind whatever goals you're trying to achieve. Iran, do you want to say anything else? Yeah, I mean, for me, this change was uh, pivotal. Um, I, first of all, I feel a huge weight is lifted off my sh shoulders because, uh, you know, a few months back, we weren't sure, the sales team, you know, how it's going to scale, uh, what's the actual contribution. And now all I want is to scale it. Like, I want to triple it because <laughs> uh, I'm so happy with what they're doing. I'm so confident in the value that they bring to our customers and to the company. And it's one of those things that, um, you know, it might sound small, You know, it's more, even so intuitive now, the change that we've made, but it's been a process. And I think one of the most important things that I always try to keep in mind is that change is, is constant in the company, not only in sales, everywhere, in R&D, in product, in CS. And it's very important to build a culture that enables such changes. I would say that you can do the same thing in scale. And you must change all the time. And I think, you know, looking back at why we chose no commission, why we chose those specific people and, and created a specific culture in sales was to enable such changes. Um, uh, so for me, the biggest point is try to build a culture that support changes because changes are required in order to scale and succeed. Mitch, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. Happy to have done it. Thank you, Aran. Thank you, Leo. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Bye. Start up for start up for start up.